The trail heads up on what appears to be a farm road, leaving me breathing heavily, but nothing like the eroding scree or root-covered mud slip-and-slide I scrambled over recently. I pass a family out for a day, a glorious bluebird one, the air cool, but the wind down. When I reach the end, it puts me at the summit of Mount Kaukau, a large field dotted with yellow flowers and crowded with locals taking advantage of this perfect day. Windmills give way to bush, which give way to houses, then buildings, and finally a perfect little harbor surrounded by mountains. It's so idyllic, almost as if a child's rendition in crayons. The actual trig, the black and white wooden structure that marks the highest point, is a football field away on the other side, its views looking back to where I've been. I dutifully climb on and hand my phone to the one other tourist who bothered walking over here, and then hang off the edge, celebrating my having nearly completed an entire island, looking a bit wobbly and uncertain. The real view and the skyline trail that takes me down is back on the other side, so I head over, finding a bench for lunch. And along comes Reuben, a Te Araroa thru-hiker I met this morning camping in the dense fog. I smile and say hello, but before he can answer, his young American girlfriend asks me, how did you get ahead of us? Uh, is this a rhetorical question? I I don't know. I'm not racing you. She has nothing else to say, and it appears there's not going to be any sharing in this amazing moment. So I get up and lumber on. You're listening to The P-Rag, Unfiltered Adventures of the Blissful Hiker. I'm Allison Young, the Blissful Hiker, sometime professional flutist, sometime voice artist, and full-time pedestrian. Like the small backpacking essential of the same name, the P-Rag shares the unglamorous but vital truth about empowerment as badass people who really don't need permission to blaze our own trails in this journey we call life. Thanks so much to Lecky Trekking Poles for supporting the P-Rag podcast. If you want to be a blissful hiker, Lecky should be in your hands. And Belega, makers of the best blister-resist, non-slouching, foot-massaging socks for the long haul. Hey, Alison. Good day, Alison. I'm just a few days away from finishing walking the North Island of New Zealand. Three months in, and I took a long, leisurely zero day. That's a thru-hiker term for resting and walking exactly zero miles. It was after a spontaneous sunrise climb of Mount Taranaki, and my trail angel family of Rob and George welcomed me back to Wanganui. We laughed and talked and ate. They even gave me some veet left over by a French TA walker to clean up my hairy thru-hiker legs. I slept for hours, but dreamed I was still walking, waking up over and over to ascertain where I was. I think the reason I've managed to walk this far is that in my normal life, I walk every day. I walk to work and back in all weather, and I walk the neighborhood, to stores, yoga, the train. It doesn't really sound like much, but it does add up. And more important, it helps me know my body really well. It might be why I don't mind walking the entire trail, even the boring bits, 
because I do it all the time. Walking is quite literally my life. But after a rest, they drive me back to Paikakariki where I left off, and I hoist myself up on the escarpment track, a sign warning of steep drop-offs, high wind, and no water for at least three hours. My pack is weighed down with food I'm too cheap to throw out, and it's funny how just a day away from walking coupled with the unknown makes me wonder if I even remember how to walk. I go up above the railway, the highway, and the ocean, cicadas loudly sawing their bouncy melodies. I look for northern grass skinks, lizards that can live to 40 years and learn that New Zealand has more lizard species per landmass than the entire world. This trail rests upon a stuck piece of the Pacific Plate. Only mini quakes move it, centimeters at a time. That's a good thing, as the trail is steep and airy on the cliff's edge. The wind is up, fortunately blowing towards the mountain on this narrow guardrail-less track, but I do watch my step. Sheep graze at the top, ignoring the breathtaking view. I cross a suspension bridge, bucking and bouncing in the wind. Many locals pass me, and I meet two young Czech TA hikers. They're wearing granite gear packs, just like my olive oil, made in Minnesota. They're moving pretty fast, and I follow from a distance on the Araharakeke cycle path, a relief from the highway, and next to an extensive swamp that somehow missed getting drained and is filled with happy creatures. The beach at Plimerton is surrounded by an aqua ocean, a few windsurfers taking it in. At the Mana Marina, the wind screams in the rigging, but I'm hot on the path. I cross a bridge warning, no diving, just as a young man leaps off the middle. I pass Aotea College and come to Gear Homestead, an Italianette home from the 1850s owned by a wealthy businessman named Gear. It's an oasis, really with an oddly juxtaposed adrenaline forest below of numerous high-wire challenges in the sky. The bikeway along the main road exits by ramp straight into big-box shopping hell. Though many stores stand empty, dusty fingerprinted windows from a different era. Past the malls is a trail into the bush, a kind of shortcut between roads. It lands me at Camp Elsden, filled with noisy caravans. I catch the checks who guide me up behind cabins to a quieter section, next to a forest filled with birds, as I crawl in before the sun goes down. You're listening to The P-Rag, Unfiltered Adventures of a Blissful Hiker. Through sharing my stories of walking long-distance trails as a solo, middle-aged female hiker, I hope I can empower you to learn to hike your own hike, too. You can subscribe to The P-Rag wherever you get your podcasts, and please leave a review on Apple to help the show get discovered. An early to bed means an early to rise, and I'm up and out to catch the cool air. It's steep stairs through bush and finally into open sky. I pass four overweight Maori puffing heavily like me, and we comment that this is way better than any Stairmaster. Colonial Knob is in mist, 
but I'm content to not be in the hot sun. At 1,500 feet, it's no small hill rising high above the ocean, but I can't see anything as I come to some sort of building covered in graffiti with an empty bench next to it, presumably for the view. It's here that I stumble upon Reuben, a Dutch hiker who set his tent here unconcerned by the wind and damp. I head down with him on switchbacks, flying through the forest and sharing harrowing stories about mud and rain. At the bottom, we meet his girlfriend, a beautiful brunette in short shorts, who gives me a sidelong look. Is she jealous of me? I'm old enough to be, well, maybe not her mother, but at least her mother's younger sister. Reuben and his brunette stop to gather water, and I pass on into the pastoral Ojarillo Valley, nearly silent but for sheep and birds and lots of horses. A little fluffy dog follows me down the road until I talk sternly to him that he really ought to go home because up ahead I see the last knob I need to climb before I drop into Wellington. There's something slow and peaceful in the act of walking up this ramp. I have so much extra food in my pack, most all of it what Julian and I purchased with the intention of doing around the mountain at Taranaki until we ran out of steam. So I offer a few chocolate bars to a family I pass, obvious to me that some of the younger kids are struggling. They thank me shyly after their mother encourages them, then blurt out, I look funny in my hat, looking confused when I explain to them that I'm walking the entire length of their country. I probably couldn't have gotten a finer day on Mount Kaokao, the dry golden hills touched by sea fog reminding me of Northern California. From the skyline track, I realize the large mountains I see in the distance are on the South Island, and my feet will soon be on them. Reuben and his cute but seemingly unhappy girlfriend are behind me now as I exit the park and head directly into a street lined with Victorian cottages. I stop at a dairy in Ingayo for a couple of Max sparkling sodas, giving Hokey Pokey Cola a chance. The walk takes me down to a stream in Trellisic Park, built by city elders and used now by many a dog walker. Then I'm finally spit out high above at Wadstown, where I walk straight up a road until it's no longer possible to, and I need to take stairs into the town belt. It's a steep section of reclaimed land planted with native trees in the 1940s and acting like a giant lung for the city. And it's here that I realize I made a mistake. I thought climbing the mountain was the hardest part of the day, only to discover that the trail wasn't quite finished with me yet. I'm thirsty and out of power, but there's not that much further to go. Perhaps it's because something momentous is happening in finishing the first island. But the magnitude of what I've completed, coupled with the magnitude of what's ahead, is hard to comprehend. And there's a part of me that's skeptical of my success, certain I was just lucky in making it all come together. Maybe I need to remind myself that a trail is walked one step at a time, and starting Monday, it will be in brand new Las Portivas. My shoes are in my bounce box, 
a box I mailed forward to friends of friends to hold for me as I walk through the country. Raph and Laura live in the hip neighborhood of Thorndon and are holding the box for me and then invite me to stay a few days. I split slack packing with being a tourist in Wellington on one of the most gorgeous weekends of the year. Things do begin a bit lazy that weekend, with waffles and delicious yogurt, golden kiwis and blueberries. And then we all head to the supermarket and buy a cartload of groceries for the three separate packages of resupply I have to send ahead to manage the first month of hiking on the South Island. We cram tuna packets, ramen noodles, muesli bars, dehydrated soup, salami, lollies or candy, and so much more into boxes. Our fingers crossed they arrive when and where I need them. So Raf suits up and joins me for the final kilometers in Wellington. We walk on the official bit of the TA through the botanic gardens, then along the waterfront, passing Parliament and the Beehive, where I run into Alexis from Tongariro, looking well and rested after a week off. The water glows azure, and so many are out walking amongst public art. A street musician plays Girl from Ipanema, and vendors sell goods made of possum fur. The wind is high, normal for the city, and it kicks up whitecaps, not large, but so numerous they look like frothy white frosting. I mentioned to Raph that another friend of a friend lives at the end of the trail and might welcome me. I notice that he tenses up as I tell him how surprised I am she's situated right at this juncture. He then tells me he has profound social anxiety and doesn't manage well when situations are sprung on him suddenly. I feel horrible, not intending at all to make him uncomfortable. I had no idea though I did notice that both of them are homebodies, but not really shy in the least as we talk nonstop about everything. He seems to be comfortable with himself, accepting that this is just who he is. There are no hard feelings, and I genuinely like Raph. He's interesting and easy to talk to. And to be honest, hanging out at their loft this weekend and organizing for the South Island has been so relaxing as though we've known each other for years. I don't really suffer from social anxiety, though I've felt rejection and had my feelings hurt even on this hike. Even so, I tend to go back for more, always friendly and a little bit naive sometimes. We walk up the hill talking about introverts and extroverts, and I think more about how this trail has led to some incredibly lovely introductions, friends that I'll keep for life. And the flip side being that I can't seem to bond with hikers. Case in point, Reuben's girlfriend. She never did give me her name, and cold to me for no apparent reason. Author Jackie McTaggart said, We are partners by fate. We become friends by choice. So true. We may be sharing the trail, but not all of us will share our friendship. It gets steeper as we climb up the hill to Mount Victoria, and Raph peels off, feeling not quite in shape. So I power on up, 
and catch a stunning view before working my way down the fantastic urban trail towards Mount Albert. Beautiful homes cling to the surrounding hills. And just as I cross the street, I see a beautiful young woman with long blonde hair. She smiles at me. It's Lydie. She's the young French woman who saved a beer for me after a hot hike in Northland. <laughs> I laugh immediately at having become so maudlin and questioning about friendships. Lydie and I clicked right into an easy companionship, regardless of the years that separated us. There was a respect and an affection that was so natural. Sadly, Lydie is injured and has given up the Te Araroa, and will just enjoy New Zealand in small chunks, likely staying on to work eventually. I say goodbye and head down to the trail's end on the south coast at Island Bay, swimmers and divers enjoying the relaxed surf. I find a tiny plaque out of the way marking the southern terminus at Shoreland Park. 1,620 kilometers down, 1,430 to go. I work my way a bit further down the coast to a bistro and meet that friend of a friend I mentioned to Raph named Kedron. She's a musician, a producer, and an artist from the U.S. And we talk up a storm about living here and making public art, how New Zealand is ripe for the next great idea, and the rich variety of world music. She puts herself forward to be my producer should I return to perform. Well, I guess it's always good to know people, just in case. Then we say goodbye. I take a look in the tide pools before catching bus number one back to Thorndon, nearly getting blown over when I walk across the bridge over the highway. Dinner is served just as I walk in the door, and the three of us stay up late talking about every possible subject. I have no idea why I couldn't connect with that one hiker, and I really have no idea why I'm hiking all alone most of the time. But it would be silly to surmise that I'm not making friends. Just like in real life, we can be friendly to everyone, but not necessarily friends with them. It's late when we all turn in, but Raph assures me he'll get me to the ferry dock early in the morning before he needs to go to work. That's the ferry that will take me across the strait and onto a new part of this adventure. Thanks so much to Lecky Trekking Poles and Belega Socks for supporting the PRAG podcast. You can subscribe, rate, and review the PRAG at Apple Podcasts. And you can find out more about my long walk on the Te Araroa, as well as the PCT and other trails all around the world. It's all at theprag.com. And the music, it's me, and it's available on iTunes. Next week, it is the South Island, and it begins with a beautiful Queen Charlotte track, where I harvest mussels for dinner and camp at a lookout. Until then, my friends... Kia kaha, and happy trails. Thank you.